The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Print Files, the inaugural podcast from Print21. In this episode, I'm joined by Wayne Robinson, the editor of Print21, and Lindy Hewson, the publisher of Print21. Welcome, Wayne and Lindy. Thanks, Grant, and welcome, everyone, to the first episode of The Print Files. This episode is entitled, It's Been a Big Month in Print. Lindy and I will look at the beneath the headlines at the major issues in print this month. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of Print21. And I'm Lindy Hewson, publisher of Print21 and also of PKN Packaging News, Print21's sister publication. Well, Wayne, it has been a big month in print. So let's start with the two biggest printers in the country, Ive and Avato, and their six-month results. What were the results and what does it mean? Yes, Lindy, they are the two biggest printers in the country, but it's a tale of two different print businesses. Ives' results showed a a minor slippage, results down by 3.2%, whereas Ovato's results showed a major slippage, results down by 28%. Uh, Ives' half-year results uh, showed that its business is now now turned over in the six months, 340 million. After a tumultuous six months, Ovato saw its sales revenue diminish by $92 million, uh, down to 236 million from 328. They both ostensibly are in the same business, catalogues, magazines. Uh, What was the difference? Well, Ives' figures actually were bolstered by their taking on the Salmat distribution business. And uh, Jeff Selig has told the market that, in fact, Ive is going to take a hit of about $50 million uh, on its profile, on its like-for-like figures over the course of the year. Both printers suffered, obviously, from a serious loss in the catalogues market. I've lost the Coles catalogue. Coles decided to pull pull out altogether out of catalogue printing. Uh, this was 7 million catalogues every, every week that was printed, put into virtually every letterbox in the country. That cost Ive $12 million in the three months, and it will cost them $35, $40 million overall. Kmart uh, has also pulled out of catalogue printing. Woolworths is experimenting. Catalogue printing was where these two was a major plank of both of these businesses. The move to digital marketing, digital communication uh, by the major brands, Coles, Kmart, possibly Woolworths, possibly others, will be a blow to these businesses. Whether that move will continue and will remain permanent, we don't yet know. Domino's famously, the pizza, the biggest pizza joint in the country, famously pulled out of catalogues a couple of years ago. Sales plummeted. They reinserted catalogues into letterbox. Sales shot back up. So whether the catalogue, the, the declining catalogue printing uh, will remain permanent or not, we don't yet know. And many, many companies produce catalogues, not just the big two or three retailers. Magazines are also a big issue. As we all know, the big women's magazines, the mass media, are declining as uh, digital internet communication comes increasingly to the fore. This is also another blow for these big companies. IVE is a more diverse company than Novato, and that's why it's been able to ride the storm better. And in fact, IVE is saying that its full-year figures will show $100 million EBITDA, uh, which is a terrific result. Novato, uh, well, we'll wait to see. It had a tumultuous six months. It closed its Victorian manufacturing, Uh, it restructured some controversy there. Uh, But for both of these companies, they are in the the storm of the uh, changing business and societal uh, landscape that we find ourselves in. 
Well, certainly uh, COVID has had a massive impact um, across the board uh, for the printing industry. And the next six months will be really telling as we reset and uh, regroup as business comes back to life, so to speak. Uh, Interestingly, uh, the half-year results also showed that the world's biggest packaging producer, converter and printer, Amcor, is doing better than ever, with the company saying that COVID and stay-at-home restrictions had been good for business. Has this month's Print21 reporting seen packaging printing grow across the board? Yeah, we've had some very interesting stories in packaging this month. Amcor, of course, profits rose by 65%, a whopping result on sales that were more or less stable, as you say, from that stay-at-home, multi-pack consumer products that were going on. We've just done a big story today, actually, uh, this week, on a company called Arlo & Coop, which basically didn't exist two years ago, but it decided that it it was part of a large format printing company, Billboard Media, one of the biggest in the countries, it decided to use its Zund cutting machines, which are the which are the machines that basically cut out your point of sale displays, you know, the the the, the full size graphic, full size displays of Steve War and the rest. It decided to use its Zund machine to start an online box making business. Uh, short run boxes. The company told me the box, the run, lengths of boxes that the big companies, Amcor, Vizi, Aurora, Opal, as it is now, didn't want to touch 250, a run of 250, 500, 150. That business and, and the marketing for that business was only online through its own website, through Facebook, through Instagram. That business has boomed. Uh, Arlo and Coop has just bought two big new Zund lines with robots, and robots, we'll come on to that later, incidentally, will be a big part of print in the future. Two big new lines, $1.5 million investment. It's expanded its factory by 30,000 square feet, which also, and we'll talk about this later as well, it's going to sell the roof. And that business is a new business, didn't exist two years ago. It's entirely marketed online, and it's meeting the demand from the bespoke craft brewery, beverage uh, businesses that are popping up all, all over the country who don't want 10,000 boxes or 100,000 boxes or a million boxes. They want 200 or 100. And these machines will knock those out all day long. So that's one example of packaging, packaging where new technology, someone's bright idea, and marrying the two together is really working out for them. We've also seen plenty of movement in packaging this month in terms of companies being bought. So ProPack bought Supreme Packaging, uh, Flexo Printer down in Melbourne, 40 years old, uh, to add to its uh, inventory, to its portfolio there. And we've, we've also just seen label makers buy rapid labels. Uh, label makers bought that business to get or to boost its presence in the nutraceuticals market, the vitamins, the minerals, uh, which are in health food shops, uh, pharmaceutical businesses everywhere. So in packaging, uh, there's no shortage of growth, it seems, and no shortage of opportunity for all kinds of printing businesses. Well, again, driven a lot um, by the situation that we found ourselves in through COVID, where we suddenly see the urgency to reshore some of that manufacturing, to make sure that we have a steady supply of FMCG products flowing into the supermarket. So packaging has been a sector that has really benefited. And of course, there's a lot of injection of capital going into packaging in order to get um, our circular economy kick-started. And uh, companies like label makers have also made a major announcement recently, apart from the acquisition of Rapid, uh, to invest in a recycling technology technology for label liners, which is another massive and very important step in ensuring that we have circular economy for that kind of 
packaging waste. Anyway, we're not going to s- slip off the, the track here. So. Yeah, actually, Lindy, I did just want to say uh, on the topic of recycling, it's a very exciting area, uh, the one you've highlighted. And also there's a story that Amcor uh, this week has printed a completely recycled KitKat wrapper from soft plastic. First time that's been achieved, which is terrific. Uh, and then we've also, Print 21 has also run a story this month about Johnny Walker whiskey being presented in a paper or fiberboard package rather than a glass bottle. All these indications for recycling and the trend towards fiber, the aversion to plastic, are all really good news for the printing industry. Of course, printers print on plastic, um, but printing on fiberboard, printing on these new materials, all offer opportunities for go-ahead printers. So, yes, well, the Amcor development, which was actually, it's been a major breakthrough this week. And I did want to say what it does is it it means we don't have to have an aversion to plastics because what this is, super exciting, is a solution, a circular solution for flexible plastics because flexible plastics have so many benefits, but we didn't have a way of reusing them and now we do. So yes, there will be a move to paperboard, but at the moment for some products, the paperboard bottles uh, and paperboard packaging that is being printed on in some cases where there's liquid involved, you have to understand that there has to be a barrier property there. And so it can't possibly just be paper, but there are special materials being developed. However, Let's move back into the actual um, developments that have been coming through as a result. Again, I'm going to mention of COVID. And I've noticed as a result of uh, us needing health and safety information through COVID, there has been a proliferation of floor graphics, wall graphics, window graphics, communicating what we need to know um, about COVID. So what has been the news in Print 21 this month on wide format display printing? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right, Lindy. For those printers that have been able to capitalize on the COVID pandemic uh, in the wide format sector, um, there have been great opportunities. Uh, as you rightly say, you can't walk into a shop or a store or an office these days without coming across floor graphics telling you where to stand, wall graphics telling you where to stand. So for print businesses that have been able to uh, uh, capitalize on that, exploit that, get in there, they've done well. However, for many people in the wide format sector, COVID has been a really difficult year. If you think of many of their uh, prime markets, which would be ex- events, exhibitions, conferences, sporting events, and in Victoria, the retail market, because Victoria's closed for so long, completely gone and, and yet to return. Um, oh, well, retail in Victoria is returning. So there have been casualties there. One fame, one major company that went down uh, in the last few weeks was Magnify Media in uh, Melbourne, a well-known company, John Duplock's company. Ten years ago, it was a star of the uh, of the wide format industry, in, in, installing lots of equipment. Uh, but unfortunately, it's gone into into liquidation or administration and liquidation. On the other hand. Uh, there have been print businesses, and I'm thinking of Cactus Imaging, which uh, has had two of its best months ever. So it really depends on the wide format sector what your market is, what you're what you're going for. You could have been very unfortunate make if, that, if those uh, dead what are now dead markets were your whole business. Uh, but on the other hand, you could you could have done well. One company that's doing well is ADS, uh, the fact the Victorian-based print services company, which is now about to move into larger premises, uh, spending five million dollars on investments. Uh, buying a new EFI VUTEC machine. Dean Wright tells Print21 that he's investing a lot of money into the new factory, two and a half to three million dollars, one and a half million dollars in new machines that he's installed in the last 18 months. Because, and and the new factory will be climate controlled with epoxy floors, glass partitions, 
cleaner, better. Uh, the company has seen substantial growth and is investing heavily to meet the needs of its clients. So it's a well-run, well-run company, and there are plenty of companies around like that. The ADS, Dean Wright tells me that they've also got plenty of big plans in the pipeline. This is a company that isn't standing still. Can't say what they are right now. Uh, but the companies, as I talked about earlier, with Ar- like Arlo and Coop, that are really having an eye on, well, which way is the world moving into the internet age, into the personalization age? What is changing? Where can we get in and capitalize on that? Those are the companies that are really leading the field and going well. Going back into sign and display now, um, one of the big impacts or issues rather, challenges that they're facing is fire safety. And I understand that new edicts are out this month in regard to core combustibility in materials with huge fines for non-compliance. So can you explain the edict and, and what the impact? Yeah, this is, this is, this is a huge issue in signage uh, and in buildings generally. And it all stems from the horrible fire that was a Grenfell Tower block in London, where I think 70-odd people lost their lives. The fire was really took over because of the cladding that was on the outside of the building that wasn't fire resistant. Since then, councils all over the world and here in Australia have taken cladding very seriously. And as far as the signage industry concerned, signage is counted as cladding. If it is above the first and ground floor and first floor, ground and floor, first floor don't count, but anything above that is, is counted in the same legislative manner as cladding. Victoria has just introduced a new edict that says that the combustibility of the ACM that's used in signage that's on the outside of the buildings, maximum 7%. And you have to have a certificate to show that it's 7% from your supplier. So all the signage companies and Glen Hain at uh, ASCA, the association told me, there's no gray areas here. You've got to get the 7%, got to get your compostability less than 7%, and you have to have a certificate to show that it's less than 7%. If you don't, the fines are huge. It's $400,000 for a company, $80,000 for an individual. So you can imagine a couple of those and many signage companies, it would be all over. So it's a big issue. It's, it's fair enough. Obviously, it was a horrible situation in Grenfell. It's good that these edicts are being brought in. At the moment, it's the 7% is only for Victoria. The rest of Australia is 30%. But Glenn tells me, Glenn Hayne at uh, Asga tells me, it won't be long before the, the other states fall into line and it all comes down to 7%. It doesn't affect uh, existing signage that you've put up on a building, but any repairs, if you do repairs, it does affect that. So if you're repairing signage, you, you've got to make basically replace it to get it back down to 7%. And there are also a, a lot of other things there as well. Well, it certainly makes sense to, um, you, we've got to prioritize safety, we have to prioritize lives, and there's, it seems to me that there's no choice in the matter. So speaking of challenges for the industry, another challenge um, has been the industry being constrained by limited supply from overseas as a result of the shipping issues that we're facing. So how has this impacted print this month? In a big way. Uh, shipping, as most people know, is under huge pressure uh, because uh, in Asia, particularly, there's been a consolidation of the lines. So there's only really three uh, big lines these days. And where, whereas the uh, supply outweighed the demand, the constraining supply, so the demand is now outweighing supply. This is leading to big pressure on pricing. Container prices, which a container from Asia, which was 800 bucks a year ago, is now 3000 or $5,000. 
I was talking to actually a supplier just, just today who told me that uh, a five, a f extra $5,000 is what he's being asked to pay on his containers. And if you're only bringing in $30,000 worth of materials, say, in that container, $5,000 is a big hit. I mean, on a, on a million-dollar machine, it's not so much, although it's still a hit. But on particular media, it's a big hit. The two big... Uh, media suppliers in the country, Spices and Ball and Doggett, have this month both put up prices across the board, all their products ranging from 3% to 9%. And they accommodated the cost as much as they could. They told me they expect it to go down after Christmas like it usually does, but it doesn't, didn't. And in fact, it's continuing to rise. So in terms of the pricing, that will go, that's continuing to rise. And in terms of supply, uh, print businesses need to talk to their suppliers to make sure that their supply is uh, on track. Uh, I was talking to someone the other day who told me he normally has a two-month backup, uh, an industry supplier. Now he has a four-month backup and he's trying to get that to a six-month backup because they're just under such, it's so tight to get product into the country. And even when it gets here, there's ongoing issues in the ports, particularly in Sydney, uh, which is actually seeing some products, some containers, ships having to be diverted to Melbourne and Brisbane now and then shipped up to Sydney because there's ongoing industrial issues going on there. So shipping, it's a big issue. And one that printers, particularly volume printers, uh, really need to keep an eye on and be in constant communication with their suppliers about. And certainly the suppliers can't uh, continue to absorb the costs any longer. I can quite understand why they're needing to pass some of those on. So let's move on now to a couple of other points. So print has worked very hard to shed its dirty manufacturing heritage, but still struggles with anti-print claims from the environmental lobby. What developments have we seen this month, apart from the label makers one, which we've also spoken about, um, re in regard to sustainability? Yeah, you're right, Lindy. Um, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when I first started in print, um, it was a very dirty process. A lot of heavy chemicals were being used. Uh, it, it wasn't a good process. However, remarkably, and print is a shining example of how, uh, a, how business drives environmental growth. Remarkably, now print is, without doubt, the most environmentally friendly communication business there is. All print, fiber-based print particularly, is recyclable, inks recyclable. Um, this month, we've seen two sides, the global firm that pushes back against and against anti-print. And the anti-print sentiment comes often from the big corporates and the marketing departments who want to get away from using print because they view it as expensive, because it's more expensive than sending out an email. The reality is that print is less environmentally harmful uh, because trees that are used are from plantations and reusable. This month, we've seen two sides in Australia call out 67 different corporates for what they call what's known as greenwashing, where they attempt to say that they are either getting rid of print because of environmental reasons or they're more green than they are. Two sides called out 67 companies that have had to change what's on their websites as a result of what they've said to them. And this is part of a global campaign by two sides to get corporates to actually uh, essentially speak the truth and not use greenwashing as an excuse to get rid of print. We've also seen a couple of big developments this month when it comes to the environmental world from print, from print businesses in terms of renewable energy. We know Impact International, Alex Lakshavich's business in Sydney, uh, he has just increased his solar roof. He's got a solar farm on his roof. It was producing 290 kilowatts of power an hour. He's up that now, added an extra 123 solar panels. Now he's getting 400 kilowatts an hour, 1.5 megawatts a day. Uh, that business is generating from its from the solar power. Fantastic story. And then uh, the company that I alluded to, I mentioned earlier, Arlo and Coop down in Melbourne, 
that is just spending a multi-million dollar upgrade on, in its uh, business. Part of that, it too is installing a solar roof, solar panels on its roof, which will, which will generate all the power it needs and more. So uh, terrific examples there, printing companies taking the bull by the horns, investing in solar, investing in renewables, and eventually they will be putting power back into the grid. Well, that is fantastic news. And we do need some movement in that area because the climate clock is ticking. Um, And certainly this is very welcome development. And and print print is showing itself to be an environmental pioneer and environmental leader. And printers can be proud of who they are in their industry when it comes to the environment. And certainly a company like Impact International, Alex Levitz, he's done so much not just on the um, energy front, but also on the printing methods he's using, on the packaging tubes that he's converting using sugarcane-based plastics. Um, It's really quite remarkable what, what these types of businesses are managing to achieve. Now, talking about some some good news, um, or let's start on this side, the Print21 has been reporting the whole year on cancelled trade shows. COVID wreaked havoc with the event industry, um, with big shows that we were all looking forward to attending just being wiped off the calendar. Um, Even Drupas are coming to the pandemic. But I see that this month you've been reporting that Australia's trade show, PacPrint, will go ahead in September. That's in Melbourne. What's the story? Do you think um, it's a go? Uh, yeah, that's a great story, Linda. You're right. Uh, the year, the last 12 months in every trade show on the planet wiped out, uh, postponed, some postponed multiple times. PacPrint was originally scheduled to take place in April after because Drupal was supposed to be last year. When Drupal rescheduled to March originally, PacPrint went back to September. Uh, Drupal was cancelled, of course. But for PacPrint, uh, September is six or seven months away now. By then, virtually everyone in Australia or everyone that wants it will have had the vaccine. Um, The border closures should be a thing of the past, and the printers and suppliers, uh, by all accounts, are very keen for this exhibition to go ahead. PacPrint is the big exhibition for Australia and New Zealand and and the islands. Uh, It takes place once every four years at the Melbourne Exhibition Centre. Suppliers I've talked to are very keen to be there to show their equipment, which they really haven't been able to get out of the showroom uh, for the past 18 months. So it very much looks like it'll go ahead. Visitor registration uh, is already open. Go to the Print21 website and follow the prompts there. But for the show itself, September 28th to October 1st is when it takes place. Uh, National Print Awards will be on the Thursday night uh, of that event. The uh, HP uh, FESPA ASGA Awards will be on the Tuesday night of that event. It should be a great event where everyone can finally uh, start to think about putting, where we can all start to think about putting COVID behind us and getting back into uh, a normal way of working and a, uh, a way of uh, meeting face-to-face. There'll be workshops, seminars, events going on throughout the week. It'll be a, it'll be a great week. And it's hard to see now how anything uh, can stop it. We know the vaccine in places like England has been a, a soar away success. 25 million people have had the vaccine so far. Uh, it's preventing them from getting COVID and it's also preventing them from spreading it. So in Australia, by the time end of September comes around, most people vaccinated, uh, there should be no chance of the borders closing. And we're all, we'll all be really looking forward to a great exhibition going ahead. We certainly will be. Uh, I, I'll be on that plane. I did my first trip in 13 months this week. I went to Melbourne. I attended a packaging um, industry event, which was just so you could see people were so excited to be able to have an in-person event, to be able to look someone else in the eye that's not through the digital screen. I think we've all got a bit of Zoom and virtual event fatigue. And uh, to actually go and see and smell um, the, the inks and the machines running – 
at a at a trade show in person, uh, I think will be it only bodes well for a successful pack print. So, um, I think you're right. We can pretty much be confident that it is going to all go ahead, and people should plan as if it is. Yeah, very much so. Well, Wayne, um, as I often hear you say in the office, there's never a dull moment in print, and that certainly seems to have been the case this month. Uh, Yeah, that's true as always, Lindy. Uh, Well, that wraps up the first issue of this print industry podcast. Uh, Next week, we start our Print Files podcast on leaders in print. What makes them tick? How do they face the decisions they have to? How do they see the future panning out? What steps are they taking? All print business owners and managers will benefit from listening to their insights. Join me as I talk to them. Thanks, Wayne. Well, I'll certainly be one of those listening. Um, So that's it for the very first issue of The Print Files. We hope you have enjoyed it. We value your feedback as ever. And so it's goodbye from me, Lindy Hewson. And goodbye from me, Wayne Robinson. Thank you, Lindy and Wayne. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to The Print Files, the inaugural podcast from Print 21. We'll be back, as uh, Wayne said, next week with more great content. And we're looking forward to presenting that shortly. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print 21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.